space. Time. Reality. Everyone has their concepts of these, but um, are they actually true? What if I told you that all those terms, all those concepts, are about as fluid as water? This anthology series contains stories that flow between them like a wandering river, between the mind, the body, and the soul, boldly influenced by the powers that were, the powers that are, and the powers that will be. This is Dark Charm Presents. Episode 2, Quarter Past 3. Freddie Wheeler worked the midnight shift at the local Quick Mart, and he hated it tremendously. He didn't think that he'd be put out on the street by his father and stepmother, and forced to work odd hours so he could finish college. Sure, there were some upsides to the job. Sometimes visibly scantily clad women with their men came into the store and had a little fun, not caring if someone was probably watching from the cameras. Other times, he would be present after a wild concert, and people would come in and get a ton of food and beverages, alcoholic or not. But that was during the early parts of his shift. He would start at 11 p.m. and work until 7 a.m. Around 5, he would prepare for the early morning breakfast and coffee rush. After he got off, Freddie would go home, which at this point was a rented room provided by an elderly woman with a shit ton of cats. He would get a few hours of sleep just to be at his first class at 1 p.m. While working, though, he didn't have very many customers coming in from 1 a.m. on, and he could sit on his phone and watch reruns of his favorite TV shows. As he was a bit of an introvert anyway, Freddie didn't mind the lack of attention or supervision. There would be a downside to this, in that every so often, the lights in the place would flicker on and off, but then everything would be fine again. At first, it unnerved him, but since nothing really seemed to happen afterwards, he never thought anything of it. He mentioned the flickering to his main supervisor the next day, but nothing ever really came of it. It kept happening, and at the strangest time. He noticed that it always seemed to happen on his shift at 3.15 a.m. A quarter past three. He could time it like clockwork. On this night, however, something strange would definitely change his life. Freddie got a phone call from the main supervisor of the store, stating that his usual co-worker Jamie, an older woman in her early 40s, had a family emergency with her daughter and had to go to the hospital. There was no one who could cover her shift, and no one could make it in until 4 a.m. While it was usually frowned upon to only have one person on shift duty, it seemed to happen to Freddie more often than not. Freddie didn't care. There weren't really enough people around to warrant that type of work. One person could do it alone, at least until morning breakfast and coffee rush. Around 3 a.m., the door alarm went off as a customer came into the store. Freddie looked up from his cell phone as a younger man walked in. He looked like every other 17-year-old kid that would come in, wearing a torn motorhead t-shirt and blue jeans. He had a swarthy complexion, which looked to Freddie to be either Italian or Latino. He couldn't really tell. There was an apprehension about him, though. It was as if he was afraid of something, and he came into the store to either escape or embrace it. Freddie eyeballed the shotgun lying underneath the register counter, but didn't let the kid know what he was thinking. He watched as the kid was perusing the magazines and comics on the stand. Freddie spoke from behind the counter. 
Hey, can I help you find something? Do, uh, do you have the new X-Men comic for this month? Nah, that comes in next week. He looked back toward the rack. Oh. Freddy couldn't hide his concern anymore. You okay, kid? He bowed his head. He came over to the counter where Freddy was standing. Sweat came down on the young man's forehead in buckets. No, I... I... What's the matter, man? Are, are you sick? Do you need me to call an ambulance? Call the police. Well, why? I was followed coming in here. You guys... I, I... The guys I rode with wanted me to... Hey, Marco! We haven't got all night! The young man, now known to Freddy as Marco, turned toward the two older men. Freddy realized that poor kid was in an initiation. Marco pulled a 38 special from his pocket and pointed it at Freddy. Give me all your money! Freddy raised his hands in fear as the two men by the door locked it and pulled pistols of their own out of their waistbands. After they locked it, they joined Marco at the counter. You get to the back, and then we're going to grab whatever else we want, okay? Yeah, you do that. The older man said as he pointed his pistol right at Freddy's head. He turned his attention to Marco. Well, I didn't think you're going to be able to do this on your own. Pete said to only give you a few minutes. I, I know, Skull. Freddy turned his attention toward the clock. It was 3.10. Those lights were going to flicker in five minutes, and if that alarmed any of these burglars, it was a good chance that Freddy would have a bullet in his brain by the end of his shift. I'll give you whatever you want. Please don't shoot. Freddy pleaded with the man Marco called Skull. You better do it fast, bucko. Now do it. Freddy walked over to the cash register and opened it. There isn't much, but... Do you have a safe? Yes, but I don't have the ability to open it. Skull turned toward Marco as he opened a bag and put all of the money from the register inside. Skull came behind the counter. <laughs> Where is the safe? Freddy put his body between the shotgun and Skull's view to hide it. It's in the supervisor's office in the in the back. Skull noticed that Freddy kept eyeing the clock. What? Someone coming for your shift soon? Why you keep looking at the fucking clock? It's it's almost three twelve. I, I usually take my break soon. Freddy lied. Skull smirked as one of the other guys walked into the supervisor's office. He turned toward Marco. Finish up. Keep an eye on this guy. I'm gonna go help Pete. Skull joined Pete in the office. You should have called the cops while you had the chance, man. Why are you doing this? Why not? Because I think your conscience is telling you otherwise. I have to. It's the only way I'll let it be let into the game. Freddy looked at the guys in the back and then back to Marco. Are they, I mean, I mean, your, are your boys particularly, um, skittish? What's that supposed to mean? Freddy didn't know what to expect when the lights began their flickering phase within the next few minutes, but he didn't want things to get particularly bloody. Are they particularly trigger-happy, or not so much? What are they doing right now? Skull's been to jail. He has no qualms about violence. You sound like you have a lot on your brain, kid. You don't sound like you belong with them. Take a look around you. There are a ton of cameras. Your face has been recorded. Your buddy's faces have been exposed. Keep talking, and I'll splatter your brains on the floor. Marco lifted his gun to Freddy's forehead. 
His anxiety seemed to be coming to a head. Freddy shut his mouth as Skull and the other cronies walked out of the supervisor's office. This fucking safe is time Let's get out of here! Marco replied to Skull as he pulled his pistol away from Freddy's head. The robbers, with bags full of money and goods, walked toward the door just as the lights flickered. But instead of the lights coming back on, they stayed off. What the hell? Skull tried to unlock the doors, but the door wouldn't open. Is this some kind of joke? The doors won't open. Freddy's heart jumped in his chest. This hasn't happened before, at least not since Freddy started working there. Usually the lights would come back on. The guy Skull called Pete took the pistol and bashed at the glass of the door. With the force they were using, the glass should have broken. But it didn't. It stayed absolutely solid and didn't even scratch. It puzzled Freddy and began to make the robbers anxious. Skull pointed his gun to the glass and pulled the trigger. Nothing. The bullet didn't even ricochet from impact. It was as if there was bulletproof glass. He turned to Freddy. This is something you did! He's had his hands where I could see them the entire time. He didn't do this. It's, it's God. I'm telling you, it's God. Shut the hell up, He's Marco. He's punishing us. Marco! What was that? Why is it getting cold in here? The temperature of the store started to get colder. A shiver came up Freddy's spine. What the hell's going on, man? Skull said to Freddy as he walked up to the counter, pointing his firearm at him. I don't know. The lights normally come back on. The lights flicker around 3.15 and they just come back on normally. It happens every night. Well, obviously that didn't happen today, asshole. Now, why won't the door open? The last thing I saw was you all locking it. <laughs> don't you blame us on this one. You know what? You open it. Huh? I want you to open the door now. Freddy had no hesitation as he left the confines of the counter and quickly went to the door. He turned to the locks and pulled and pushed the door to make sure that it would open. No matter the configuration of the locking mechanisms, the doors wouldn't budge. I don't get it. Freddy remarked, surprised that even he couldn't open the doors. Marco turned toward the inner part of the store. Skull, look, there's someone else in the store. What? You, you see the shadows moving? Go and check it out. I'm covering you. The streetlights outside gave an eerie blue hue to the inside of the front of the darkened store, but the further you got into the store, the darker it got. The do light you, was extinguished. Do you see anything? Pete looked around, Pete? not frantically, but as a hunter would be for prey. No skull. I don't see anything right A blood-curdling scream Pete! came from Pete's mouth as Freddy Pete! and the other robbers watched the shadows move frantically. And then, nothing. Pete! Pete! You there? You! Go and look! Freddy looked at them terrified. What? Go back there and see what happened or I will blow your fucking head off! Freddy realized he would be damned if he did and damned if he didn't, so he swallowed his fear and called up all of the courage that he could muster to walk into the back of the store. The blue light faded to the further down the aisle and the more his anxiety and fear increased. Freddy walked to the end of the aisle where Pete disappeared. Where he thought he had seen a body, he was surprised to find nothing. No blood, no body, nothing except the all-encompassing feeling of sorrow. It was extremely cold in this area, 
but there was nothing there. Nothing. What? What did you find? Freddy looked at the front of the store in pure shock. There's nothing here. Bullshit! He's back there! You saw it! He was screaming! Look in the other aisles, motherfucker! Freddy slowly walked around to the back aisles of the convenience store looking around. Aside from the destroyed Twinkies, pastry snacks, and bursted bags of chips and such, there was nothing to indicate where Pete had gone. Get back here! Skull commanded as Freddy quickly got back to the front of the store. Marco shook in fear. There's nobody. Where's his body? Shut up, Marco! None of this would have happened if you just did your fucking job and robbed the joint when you came in. Marco was about to interject when an ear-swelling horrific sound seemed to envelop them. It was like the shriek of a banshee, and it made everyone shiver as much as the cold did. What was that? Skull asked, trying to maintain his bravado, but failing miserably. Huh? I don't know. The shriek happened again as Skull and Marco continued to bang on the glass door, begging for it to open to get away from the store. Freddy looked toward the counter, thinking that maybe the shotgun could get the door open, but he saw a dark apparition of a young Asian girl dressed in a work uniform. The way she looked, she could have been no older than 16, but her skin was an almost gray tone and translucent. She put her finger up to her lips and went... Shh. A strange feeling came over Freddy at that particular moment. He thought he would continue to feel afraid, but amidst the cold that seemed to permeate the store, he felt warm. He didn't think it was hypothermia, but he wasn't afraid anymore. The apparition finally left the counter and charged at Skull and Marco as Freddy closed his eyes. were gone. No blood was to be found on the floor. The lights remained off, but the apparition stood in the middle of the streetlight glow. Please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. Freddy pleaded with the entity, not sure of what was next for him. The apparition, still in the guise of, an, of a female Asian worker, pointed outside of the store. Freddy didn't know if that meant that the doors were open, but he tried the handle anyway. The door opened almost effortlessly as Freddy walked out of the store. He looked under the light of the street lamp outside to see that all three robbers, even the apprehensive Marco, were laying with their arms crossed in front of their chests on the frigid ground. Their eyes were glazed over and their mouths wide open, their bodies lifeless. The lights at the store came back on as if nothing had happened. The telephone began to ring frantically as Freddy turned his attention back towards the phone and ran to the phone. H hello Where the hell have you been? I've been trying to call you for the past half hour. Are you okay? I'm sorry, Mike. Uh, there was a robbery. Are, are you okay? My adrenaline is pumping now, so I, I don't know. Okay, did you call the cops? I'm on my way to do it now. Freddy wondered how he was going to explain what just happened. Alright, I'm on my way to the store now. Freddy hung up the receiver. Too little, too late. Within a half hour, the police, Freddy's supervisor, and the forensics unit were all at the store. He told the police everything that happened, even the stranger parts of how they were killed. They didn't seem to believe him, but couldn't count out that they were frozen outside of the store. The first parts of the tape, where Marco came in, hesitated, and confronted Freddy were all still on it. Even when the other robbers came in, it corroborated Freddy's first part of the story. 
When the robbers stopped the tape, it made everything else go into question. When the police started formulating their other parts of the investigation, Freddy's supervisor walked up to him. Hey, um, I'm sorry, but I, I couldn't help it over here. You mentioned to the police that a young Asian girl helped you? She was the shadow, Mike. She was the one that helped me get rid of them. She, she meant no harm to me at all. The supervisor sighed as he sat at the counter. <sighs> okay, so... 30 years ago, before I took over running the place, I was a clerk, just like you, and as you know, my father owns the store. Yeah, I heard. Well, we had a young woman named Annie who worked here that fit the description you gave the police. His supervisor paused as Freddy looked into his eyes. You're gonna tell me this story doesn't have a happy ending, aren't you? Mm, well, <clears throat> well, we had a robbery quarter past three in the morning me and annie were working that shift the robbers were a bunch of racist pricks they didn't like the fact that annie was vietnamese you know the aftermath of vietnam and all that and after they got their money they f they forced her by gunpoint into the freezer once they left i ran to go back to the freezer and tried to unlock it to get her out of there <sighs> they, they 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 broke the lock inside there was there was no way to get her out after i called the police and told them what happened they sent the firefighter squad to bust annie out and they finally got the door open though annie was blue apothermia had set in well she was still alive when the ambulance took her to the hospital she died there very soon after that what happened after that <sighs> well I wish I could say it was a better ending, but back in those days, it was harder to catch people for crimes like that, especially if they were masked, which, which of course they were. He put his hand on Freddy's shoulder. I think the ghost of our Annie saved your life. And because she couldn't get justice for herself, she made damn sure that you would. Freddie Wheeler walked back to the freezer of the convenience store and opened it up. The door and everything inside was replaced, obviously, but he never really knew why there was an auto-release mechanism inside of it until he heard that very story. Apparently, it was happening an awful lot back in the 80s and 90s, and was mandated to be able to save lives in case of an accident like this. That morning, Freddy left work, called his teacher, stating that he wasn't going to make a class that day, and slept like the dead. When he woke up, he had the urge to visit Annie's grave. The day had a chill to it, and rain was in the forecast, but it seemed to be perfect for his mood. After getting the directions from his supervisor, he was able to find her grave easily. He read the stone. Here lies, on Annie Bao, born February 3rd, 1970, died February 12th, 1986. May God grant her peace. Freddie had bought some flowers from the store and put them onto the stone. He didn't know what to say, but only one thing came to his mind. Thank you. Surprisingly, a robin landed onto the stone and tweeted to him. Tears rolled down his face as a smile came to him. 
It was as if she got his message loud and clear. Freddy spent a little more time there, only to leave shortly after feeling much better than he arrived. You've been listening to Dark Charm Presents, episode 302, quarter past three. In the cast you heard, Dan Mac McCloskey as the gatekeeper, Freddie Wheeler played by Danny Atwell, Marco Padron played by Ferd Berfel, Skull by Chris Hangel, Pete Treble played by Jesse Kirkland, and Meg Saucedo played by Miguel Petroza. Special effects by Zapsplat.com. Tune in next time for more tales from the powers that were, powers that are, and powers that will be. Dark Charm Media, copyright 2022, all rights reserved. <laughs>